At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. Here is Adam Burke. Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Wednesday, May 24th edition of VSIN Daily Baseball Bets. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Happy to be with you as we go through another hump day show here. We got a few day games on the card that are going on already. We got 10 night games, though, that we can discuss as we look at this Wednesday night card. Before I get into that, a few reminders over at vsin.com. Check out all the great stuff that we have to offer for the NBA and the NHL playoffs. The French Open in tennis is coming up. That was previewed by Zach Cohen. Charles Schwab Challenge this weekend, the PGA Tour Tournament. That's been previewed by Wes Reynolds and company over there at the website. We got horse racing coverage coming up this weekend. We've got plenty of NFL, college football, all that good stuff coming your way over the next few weeks as well. So head over to vcid.com and check out all that we have to offer. Also, our podcast library. Lots of stuff. You know, every show on our VSIN airwaves is a podcast hour by hour with our 21 hour a day programming. Plus we've got our podcast specific stuff, hardwood handicappers, hockey betting podcasts, long shots, first strike, apple bombs, podcasts, beast and daily baseball bets. Danielle Alvarez bet the W podcast. So we got all that stuff for you, wherever you get your podcast content, throw us five star reviews, wherever you can. We greatly appreciate those. All right, so I don't want to spend too much time on the intro here today because we do have some games going on already. Got 10 games coming up tonight. But one overall macro point that I wanted to talk about before taking a look at today's card is, you know, I've addressed the importance of looking at game logs, not only to see where there are some outlier performances for pitchers where, you know, look, things happen, right? You know, guys give up six, seven, eight runs in a start sometimes. And those things will negatively impact the full season numbers in a big way, especially with the sample sizes that we're talking about so far here for this season. But I think it's also important to look at the game logs and look for situations where guys may be building up 
towards a bad start? You know, have they had control problems over their last three or four outings? Have they been giving up a lot of hard hit contact? Have they been giving up a lot of hits, but getting out of a lot of those jams with high left on base percentages, stuff like that? So I think looking at game logs is critically important. And I will tell you that something I continue to struggle with, despite having been in this industry for well over a decade now, something I still struggle with is weighing the full season versus the smaller sample sizes. Because I've talked about stats before and how they have points of significance where up until they reach that point, you know, maybe you just kind of look at them and say, eh, you know what, this could just be kind of an outlier, could be kind of an extreme, could be something that may continue or may not continue. But in those small sample sizes, I think you can find a lot of good indicators, specifically for pitchers, because think about the art of pitching, the act of pitching itself, right? I mean, there is a massive amount of strain on the arm, on the body. It's very easy for your mechanics to get thrown out of whack, to lose your release point, to not be finishing your delivery, to not be utilizing your lower half properly, and all these you know, biometric, biomechanical types of things that these guys are looking at on a game-by-game, week-by-week basis. And you can see some of those indicators kind of building up with some pitchers where maybe they're not as sharp. Maybe they're guys that you know are giving up a lot of loud contact and something is off, right? It's not always going to be an injury indicator, although those are things that I do look at because I do think that betting against an injured pitcher is probably a pretty smart strategy more often than not because they're guys trying to find ways to throw pitch free or pain free, maybe not throwing pitches the same way because they put different strain on the body in certain areas, stuff like that. But just, you know, also maybe on a simpler level, confidence. You know, if if you're going out there and every time you throw a fastball, it's a screamer getting hit somewhere, maybe you shy away from throwing your fastball a little bit. You know, so not only is it just the deep dive metrics and the analytics stuff that I love to get in the weeds with, but these guys are also human beings. You know, it can't be any fun to go out there and be giving up a bunch of rockets or to be going out there and getting out of a bunch of jams and maybe some self-doubt starts creeping in and you start going, okay, when when is this going to turn for me? You know, am I going to keep stranding these guys in scoring position or will those runs score? Or you run into a situation where a guy's going to go, man, I can't keep giving up so many run scoring opportunities. I'm getting out of them and that's great, but I can't keep doing that. So I'm going to adjust X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, maybe a game that stands out as an outlier was because the scouting report said, hey, throw high fastballs to this team and you don't locate them properly and they hit three home runs off of you. There are a variety of different reasons why games end up the way that they do. But if you can look at the game logs and pick up on some of these indicators and get out in front of the market, that can be a really big positive for you. So I wish I had maybe some more concrete examples for today and maybe I will as I kind of go through a breakdown of the card. But I just wanted to reiterate the importance of looking at the game logs and not just looking at the full season numbers because full season numbers maybe aren't going to be as accurate as what a guy's done recently. And even though the sample sizes are smaller and they're not as significant, they're not as stable, they can point you in the direction of you know something like what we saw with Zach Gallen last time out. Zach Gallen was building up towards a bad start. He had given up some hard contact. He had not had the same command profile, just didn't look like the same guy, and he got rocked by the Pirates last week. 
Well, so far today, at least through the first couple of innings, you know, he's bounced back against the Phillies a little bit. So there are some things you can kind of look at and see guys building up to either positives or negatives. And that's something I'm really trying to focus on because I think sometimes I get too caught up in looking at the full season numbers and saying, okay, well, this is absolutely going to regress or this is going to regress positively or negatively. And yeah, it probably will. But trying to pinpoint the exact timing of that isn't in exact science. So I need to look more at kind of the smaller samples and see if I can find those indicators. And you can do that too, by going over to fan graphs, by going to the player pages, looking at the game logs, cycling through the tabs, looking at the stat cast data, looking at the plate discipline tab. Is he getting a lot of swings and misses? If he's got a decrease in swings and misses, is it a decrease in velocity? Is it the teams that he's faced? Is it a downgrade in the command that he's got? You know, all of these things can kind of factor into that equation and be part of your handicap. And look, to me, and maybe I'm biased because baseball is my favorite market, especially because, you know, I do dive into the advanced metrics, but I think baseball is the sport that requires the most amount of work, the most amount of research, the most amount of effort to find edges out there. And some people may disagree with me, but because of the unique nature of the sport, because of the individualized nature of pitcher versus catcher or pitcher versus hitter, I should say, uh, you know, to me, I think that adds to the degree of difficulty and makes things much more challenging from a handicapping standpoint. So that's why I dig as deep as I do and look at the things that I do, but also why I think looking at the game logs is really important because every matchup is unique. Every game is unique. Every inning in some respects can be unique based on the scouting reports for the different hitters and all of that. So if you're not executing across the board, then that's a good sign that you're going to have some tough times. If you are executing really well, you know, suddenly a guy changes something, you know, he goes, ah, you know what? Things are going really well, but you know, now I want to figure out how to fix my slider. Starts throwing more sliders, has more issues with that because the pitch still isn't quite there. So all of these things factor into the equation when it comes to baseball. But long story short, look at the game logs. Don't just look at the full season numbers because I think you can get a lot more information out of what a guy's current form looks like than kind of looking at, you know, what happened six weeks ago at the start of the season or even four weeks ago when a guy was just coming off the injured list or something like that. All right, let's talk about the National League slate here, and then I'll get into the American League uh, after a short break. Interleague games have all already started, and in fact, they're all uh, pretty far along at this point in time. So a bunch of early starts here uh, on Wednesday. Looking at the Thursday card, uh, we've got three day games that are early starts here, including a 935 Pacific time start between the Cardinals and and the Reds, also an early start between the Blue Jays and the Rays. So we'll try to get this out as quickly as possible uh, for the Thursday article and podcast, but at least we've got a good number of night games on that Thursday card. But as far as this Wednesday card goes, Stephen Matz and Ben Lively, Cardinals and the Reds. Cardinals a pretty big favorite here behind Matz, minus 155 at DraftKings, minus 150 at some other shops out there, total of 11 for this game. Both games in this series have gone over the total here so far. Steven Matz, 505 ERA, 462 FIP, 46 and a third innings of work, but he's been a little bit sharper here of late. He gave up 22 earned runs in his first six starts, so he's given up, 
you know, a, a lower number of runs here recently. He's given up a lot of hard hit contact, though. That's part of the problem. High batting average on balls in play. Single-digit swinging strike percentage in four of his last five starts. So even though the results look better, there's not a whole lot to like in the profile otherwise. He's not getting a lot of chases, not getting a lot of swings and misses, still allowing a lot of hard contact. There's just not a whole lot to like in this profile for Mats. And to be honest with you, you know, I kind of looked at this game and said, well, I don't really like Ben Lively either, but is there really a reason for Mats to be this big of a favorite? And something else to think about in this game here, Ryan Helsley and Giovanni Gallegos, the two top relievers for the Cardinals have both pitched back-to-back days and three of the last four. So that could be a live betting opportunity for you here. You know, Steven Matz is a guy that he's had issues throughout the course of the season. He doesn't have great command. If he gets into trouble, all of a sudden he winds up leaving the game relatively early. And if it's a close game, the Cardinals don't have probably their two primary relievers here. Also something else to keep in mind for Matz, first time through the order. 359 average, 383 on base, 615 slugging, a 425 weighted on base average. So this is a situation where the Reds possibly could jump out ahead, get out in front, and force the Cardinals to play catch up a little bit against Ben Lively, which is certainly possible. I mean, Ben Lively has been a surprise so far, giving up three runs on seven hits and 11 innings. But this is a guy who was a below average major leaguer at the time he went over to Korea. Wasn't that great of a pitcher in the KBO. Not a guy with a, with a very sexy profile to back. But the more I think about this game, the more I wonder if maybe I should have taken a little bit more of a look at the Reds instead of just discarding Lively. But no play in this game. But again, if you are interested in the Cardinals here, keep in mind their bullpen may be a little bit shorthanded today. A game that I looked at a lot, I stared at for a very long period of time here, the Padres and the Nationals. Ryan Weathers gets the start for the Padres. Trevor Williams getting the ball for the Nationals. Padres, $1.50 to $1.55 favorite out there. Total primarily 9.5 or 10. Uh, But this is one where you got the Nationals against the lefty in Ryan Weathers. And Weathers is a guy who's had a weird season. Four starts, two relief appearances at the big league level, two starts in AAA, hasn't pitched in 10 days as he's now taking over for Seth Lugo, who's on the injured list. He got called up on May 14th, gave up four runs on three hits and five and two thirds to the Dodgers, then got recalled after Machado was put on the injured list, I believe, uh, because if you get sent down, you can't come back up for 10 days unless there's an injury. So they had to do some roster manipulation to get Weathers back up, but he's kind of been all over the map here so far this season. Nine runs on 17 hits in his four starts, but only a 13 to nine Strikeout to walk ratio, some regression signs in the profile, 342 ERA, 446 FIP, 242 batting average on balls in play, 75.4% left on base percentage with a low strikeout rate. So I thought about going against Weathers here because the Nationals have been so good against lefties throughout the course of the season. But Williams, 426 ERA, 470 FIP, pitch to contact guy, giving up a 35.2% hard hit percentage, which is good, but 19 barrels on the season, which is bad. So didn't have enough trust in Williams, even though the Nationals are a top five offense against lefties by weighted on base average. So I ultimately passed on this game, but I will admit that was a tough pass, as was this one to some degree here with the Mets and the Cubs. 
Kodai Senga getting the start today. He got bumped back a day for Tyler McGill so that Senga could stay on his regular rotation, which in Japan, they pitch every sixth day instead of every fifth day. So Senga getting an extra day so he can stay on his normal rest. Going up against Marcus Stroman and the Cubs. And I just thought that, you know, this one's got a total of six and a half here. Cubs a short favorite. The six and a half total is really interesting, especially when you talk about the month of May where it's typically a little bit warmer, but it will not be a nice day at Wrigley Field. Temps in the 50s, wind blowing in, not really a great day for baseball uh, on the north side there in Chicago. But the thing about Kodai Senga is he's got a really high walk rate, almost a 14% walk rate, whereas Marcus Stroman, it's not an elite walk rate by any means. It's kind of league average, but in a game where you don't expect a lot of high octane offense, the doubles and the home runs because of the tough hitting conditions. You're just looking for chances to score runs. And I think because Senga is wilder than Stroman, there's a chance that the Cubs do wind up with more run scoring opportunities in this game. So I thought about Chicago, ultimately didn't take them, but that was a play that came fairly close for me. Last quick note here, Sandy Alcantara goes on the mound for the Marlins at Coors Field against the Rockies. Uh, dodged one yesterday. You know, the Yuri Perez part of my handicap did kind of come through. He struggled a little bit uh, second and third time through the order there. Um, look, and also the Marlins, I mean, they're 15 and two and one run games going into yesterday. They finally lose one to go to 15 and three. That should regress here at some point. Alcantara, though, 505 ERA, 358 FIP. We're waiting for him to look like the guy that we know he can be. Just a 59% left on base percentage. Yes, it's Coors Field, but the Rockies are not a great offensive team. Let's see what Alcantara looks like here in this one as Carl Kaufman gets the start for the Rockies. Coming up on VSIN Daily Baseball Bets, a look around the American League and my two plays for Wednesday. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back here on VSIN Daily Baseball Bets. Please rate, review, subscribe. Five star reviews greatly appreciated if you get the time, the chance, and the opportunity to do that. Blue Jays and Rays. Yusei Kikuchi, Shane McClanahan in this one. And they like to say in baseball, momentum is tomorrow's starting pitcher. Well, if that's the case, it may be tough for Toronto to build off of that 20 to 1 win that they had yesterday over the Rays. That was a 10 to one game and the Rays used a couple of position players that gave up 10 runs either way. It was an ass kicking. So kudos to the Blue Jays for that. Kudos to Jose Barrios for having another fine start. Uh, But that's one that kind of skews the run differential metrics a little bit. So we'll see what happens in this one today. Uh, Shane McClanahan, 205 ERA, 358 FIP. He does have a 92.3% left on base percentage that will come down, although he will still be a guy that is above the league average and left on base percentage, 78.9% in 2021, 80.5% last year. He'll probably be around that 80% number this year, but that does mean that some regression is in the profile for McClanahan. So we'll see if the Blue Jays are able to deal it. I will say I gave some thought to doing something with the Rays here in this game, whether it was a team total over or something like that. Because you say Kikuchi is a guy that just does not have a good command profile. 408 ERA, but a 563 FIP in nine starts. He's given up 13 runs in his last four outings. And that even includes six shutout innings against the Pirates. So in his other three starts, he's given up the 13 runs. He's given up 12 home runs in 46 and a third innings. 47.5% hard hit percentage, 11.5% barrel rate. The Rays are second in baseball in Woba against lefties. They are the best offense in baseball against lefties by WRC+. I maybe should have played the Rays team total over here because they will hit long balls, I think, off of Kikuchi. That probably would have been the way to play this one uh, with the fact that you've got such a big favorite role for Tampa Bay here. And, you know, I've done it this season, but run lines are kind of difficult to play. Uh, when you talk about you know taking home teams that may only bat eight times, stuff like that. The Rays team total over four and a half minus 120 here. Not an officially tracked play, but the more I think about it, the more that's a play that kind of stands out here. Just because Kikuchi facing a lineup that has pummeled and punished just about every mistake this season. Uh, and if he makes some against the Rays, they should make him pay for it. So if you're interested in some action in that game, uh, the Rays team total over four and a half. It's a tough sell sometimes at the trop to get runs, uh, but the Blue Jays also have a bottom five bullpen over the last couple of weeks as well. So kind of like that one a little bit with the Rays team total over four and a half. Not officially tracked for the sheet, uh, but I think that is a podcast play here, uh, which who knows? Maybe I'll have some more of those as this season goes along here. The Tigers and the Royals. Man, I gave some thought to taking Kansas City here, but I have no idea what the hell I'm going to get from Zach Granke on a day-to-day basis. And also, I mean, look, again, you talk about the unpredictable nature of baseball. The Royals yesterday threw Mike Myers, a guy who's barely a big leaguer at best, 
on a day with a tired bullpen and won four to one over Eduardo Rodriguez and the Tigers. So anything can happen in baseball, I guess, is kind of what I'm saying here. Zach Greinke, just no clue what you're going to get from him, though. 482 ERA, 460 FIP so far this season. He's had some good starts. He's had some bad starts. Last time out, he gave up a bunch of hard contact, but pitched around it. But the thing about this one is, so the Royals are about league average against lefties. They're 14th in Woba. They have a 103 WRC plus, and they draw Matt Boyd today. 621 ERA, 495 FIP, 37 and two thirds innings of work. He's done well, actually, in terms of limiting hard contact, but the Tigers aren't a great team defensively, and that's kind of come to the forefront in some of his outings, and he just doesn't have the strikeouts to kind of overcome all the batted balls and especially some of the bad batted ball luck that he's had. So I thought about Kansas City here because Detroit's terrible against righties, but I have no clue what you're going to get from Granke and also the Royals' bullpen. Four guys have worked back-to-back days. One guy's worked three straight days. Amir Garrett's been terrible. He pitched Sunday and Monday. Scott Barlow struggled. He threw 36 pitches on Monday. The Royals' bullpen is kind of in shambles right now. So if you like Kansas City today, tomorrow, anytime this week, first five probably going to be the look, at least until things stabilize a little bit with that bullpen. James Paxton and Tyler Anderson out at the Big A in Anaheim, Boston, and Los Angeles. Red Sox, short favorite in this game, about $1.20 favorite. Total of nine on the board, pretty much across the board for this one here. Paxton's been good so far in two starts. Three runs allowed on nine hits and 11 innings, 14 strikeouts, three walks. Gave up some hard contact against the Cardinals in his first start, but did a really good job from a command standpoint against the Padres in his second start. That being said, it's very challenging to buy into anything surrounding James Paxton. Long, arduous injury history. No idea what he's going to be like short term, long term. Really tough. But I will say this. This is his third straight matchup against the lineup that's in the top half of the league against lefties and his second in three games. It's a top 10 offense against lefties. So it's not like he's had cupcakes coming out of the gate. I give him a lot of credit for that. I will say, though, Paxton has been an extreme fly ball guy in his first two starts. When he gets back to Fenway Park, that's something where I may look to go against him. If I get a lineup that's good against lefties, say a Baltimore or a Tampa Bay, somebody like that, I would probably look to go against Paxton in that setting. So selfishly, I'm hoping he keeps pitching well and kind of gets some goodwill in the betting markets so that I can possibly fade him uh, once we go down the line here. But Tyler Anderson, you know, he's not been great lately, but he's been better. You know, his second, third, and fourth starts of the season, he was terrible. Gave up 17 runs in that three-stretch start, but he's only allowed nine runs in his last four starts, only a 31.5% hard hit percentage on the season, so he stayed away from hard contact. That's a guy that I think we can look to play on against, you know, some of the bottom feeders against lefties, a team like Seattle, for example. Um, a team like Cleveland, if they wind up playing them at some point in time here, a team like Detroit or a Minnesota or somebody, you know, those teams that kind of hang in there and get a little bit of market respect, but are bad against lefties. Maybe Tyler Anderson fares a little bit better in those types of starts today against Boston. Probably not one of them, uh, but Tyler Anderson, I think at least has some merit going forward as a guy that we can kind of find spot plays 
to back him here and there. One other game really quickly in the American League, that's the A's and the Mariners. Uh, the Mariners, bad offense against lefties, as I mentioned, and they get a lefty here today in Ken Waldachuk, but Waldachuk is a bad lefty. 685 ERA, 728 FIP. I was on the over with Brandon Belak and Ken Waldachuk in the uh, Astros and A's game last week, and uh, Waldachuk walked five, gave up five hits, had a 46.7% hard hit percentage, still managed to only give up four runs. So I don't know how the hell he did that, but that was extremely frustrating to say the least. I would not be sure that we'd get you know anything different in today's start. I think we'd probably see some more of the same with a lot of walks, uh, a lot of you know trying to work out of jams, stuff like that, whereas we probably get the complete opposite for Bryce Miller here. Bryce Miller has given up seven hits and one run in his first three starts, gave up three runs on four hits last time out against the Braves. He pitched against Oakland already, struck out 10 of the 20 batters that he faced. Bryce Miller looks really, really good, and he's just right there with George Kirby and Logan Gilbert and Luis Castillo. If the Mariners upgrade Marco Gonzalez at the trade deadline, this will be the best starting rotation in the American League, if not all of baseball. And even with Gonzalez, they're a top three, top five caliber starting rotation with what Miller and Kirby and Gilbert and Castillo are capable of. And again, I think they will upgrade Gonzalez. Just, you know, even though you don't really need five starters in the playoffs, if they get to that point, uh, they got some ground to cover to get to that point. So I think replacing Gonzalez makes a lot of sense. Some bullpen reinforcements. And this offense is too good to keep playing the way that it is. I still think. If you look out there at some of the betting markets, you can find over plus 200 for the Mariners to make the playoffs. I still think this is a good team. And I know that the Rangers are playing well and the Angels are playing better, but I still think Seattle has some of the biggest upside of any team in the American League. So I think if you can find a good price, plus 225, plus 230 or better for the Mariners to make the playoffs, I really don't think that that's a bad bet. At this point in time, I think this is a pretty good baseball team that has just, for whatever reason, gotten off to a bit of a rough start. And once a guy like Julio Rodriguez gets going and he's starting to show signs of it now, that's when a team can really take off. So I think the Mariners are kind of knocking on the door of really going on a bit of a big run here. All right, so two plays for today in Major League Baseball. We start in the senior circuit with the Dodgers and the Braves. Full game, the Braves, about a minus 115, minus 120 favorite, total of nine and a half in this one with Tony Gonsolin and Bryce Elder. So far, the Dodgers have cashed two very nice underdog tickets with rookies Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller in this start. And now Gonsolin goes, and he's the most accomplished of the three starters that the Braves have seen in this series here so far. I will say, Gonsolin does have a 113 ERA in 24 innings. Does have a 346 expected ERA, 403 FIP, 481 XFIP. So there are some negative regression signs in the profile. 172 BABIP, 84.2% left on base percentage. There will be a stabilization of some of those numbers as we go forward. However, in this particular start, the Braves, as I've talked about this week and as has come to fruition this week, they are just an average offense against right-handed pitching. Gonsolin is an above-average right-hander, and this is a guy that, for his career, has a 2.40 ERA and a 3.50 FIP. So he has consistently, regularly, 
outpitched some of his advanced metrics, some of those other run estimators that are out there, because he's a guy that doesn't have the greatest strikeout rates, but he's really good at limiting hard contact. And that's a big deal when you take on a Braves team that wants to hit everything hard. And they typically have success with doing that. But I think Gonsolin can kind of keep them at bay a little bit here where the Braves are now down to a 97 WRC plus against righties. That's 3% below league average offensively. Now, even if Gonsolin struggles a little bit, and it is a possibility, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to blow smoke up your ass. It's a possibility that Gonsolin does see kind of a correction in some of those numbers. However, Bryce Elder has a very similar profile to Tony Gonsolin's without the major league success. 206 ERA, 457 expected ERA, 334 FIP, and 52 in a third innings pitched. 85% left on base percentage with a low strikeout rate for Elder. In nine starts, a hard hit percentage of 50% in five of them. His most recent start against Seattle was one of those. 41.7% hard hit percentage against Toronto two starts ago, but gave up four barrels. So Elder is a guy that, as I talked about earlier on in the show, when you look at the game logs, he's building up towards one of those starts where he gets his head caved in because he's giving up a lot of hard contact. Some of his regression signs are growing, like that high left on base percentage with a lower strikeout rate. He's got a 49.3% hard hit percentage for the season, and it's not changing. It's not like all of a sudden he's allowing weaker contact. It's kind of staying where it is. And the Dodgers crush right-handed pitching. They are second in baseball with a 339 weighted on base average. So I think there's some value on the Dodgers here for the first five. Now, unfortunately, you're paying a little bit of a price on the first five. For the full game, you can find the Dodgers, you know, kind of in that plus 105, plus 110 range, even money in that kind of area. So we are giving up some line equity here by taking the first five. However, the Dodgers have had three guys work back-to-back days out of their bullpen. So their bullpen is a little bit shorthanded tonight. So I thought it best to trade some of that line value and take the first five. It is minus 115 at DraftKings, but I can tell you, you will absolutely find better prices out there. You will find minus 105 pretty much everywhere else you look because of the way that DraftKings does their first five lines. They, generally speaking, do 30-cent money lines, which... It's not really great for the consumer. Other books don't do it that way. So you'll find minus 105 out there instead of minus 115. Because I'm using DraftKings lines, it's got to go in there as minus 115 for tracking. But I'm looking at the odds screen right now, and you can find minus 105 in other places. So look for that. Look for a minus 105. But ultimately, the Dodgers' first five is one of today's two plays. The other play for today is a total. As we head to the Bronx, Baltimore and New York, the Orioles and the Yankees, Nestor Cortez on the bump for the Yankees, Tyler Wells going for the Orioles, Yankees, $1.35 to $1.40 favorite out there. Most books have this total at eight and a half. DraftKings, one of the rogue books out there with an eight and minus 115 on the over. I think over eight and a half at even money is fine or minus 105, but if you can find an eight, take it. Shop around for the best prices. This is paramount in any sport, but especially baseball with the money line nature of the sport, the way that totals can be a little bit different, stuff like that. But the handicap here is pretty simple. Tyler Wells, 294 ERA, 385 expected ERA, 464 FIP 
in 52 innings of work. Two indicators of negative regression would be a low BABIP and a high left on base percentage. For Tyler Wells, 163 batting average on balls in play, 89% left on base percentage. Those are not sustainable in the slightest. He is going to have regression. Will it come all in one start? Will it come gradually? I don't know, but it is coming. I promise you that. For the season, 42.4% hard hit percentage. However, again, talking about game logs, right? Looking at guys building up towards a bad outing. In his four May starts, Tyler Wells has allowed a 51.7% hard hit percentage. So the command profile is starting to wane. He's given up 10 barrels in his four May starts after only allowing five in his first five appearances. When you're pitching in a small ballpark like Yankee Stadium as a fly ball guy and you're starting to give up these barrels and this hard hit contact, that is a glaring red flag. Now, the one thing I will say for Wells, he's got a high pop-up rate and a pretty good strikeout rate. So that's why he's kind of been able to sustain despite some of these indicators. But again, I mean, you hit a pop-up to right field at Yankee Stadium and it goes out of the ballpark. So this is not the safety net of Oriole Park. This is a bad ballpark for a fly ball pitcher, especially one whose command profile appears to be on the fritz a little bit. He's in the 27th percentile in average exit velocity, 31st percentile in hard hit percentage, 19th percentile in barrel rate. A bad start is coming, and this is the right kind of conditions in a small park as a fly ball pitcher against a Yankees lineup that does hit for a decent amount of power you know, on a pretty regular basis. Now, Nestor Cortez has had his share of issues as well. 521 ERA, 450 FIP, 5 X FIP, 48 and a third innings pitched. His command profile just isn't there. You know, he's given up eight home runs, six in his last five starts, 39.6% hard hit percentage. Righties are crushing him. And he also draws an Orioles lineup that against left-handed pitching on the road this season has a 372 weighted on base average and a 139 WRC plus. So that's 39% above league average for this Orioles offense against lefties on the road. So I like that. Also, another thing I like here today, Felix Bautista blew the save yesterday. Yenier Cano pitched a 30-pitch inning. A little bit worried about this Orioles bullpen. Worried about Wells. Worried about Cortez. Over 8, minus 115 at DraftKings to play. But as I said, if, if all you can find is 8.5, I think 8.5 even money, minus 105, something over at reduced juice or preferably a plus money price would be what I would look at in that game. So the two plays for today, Dodgers first five, again, shop around for the best number on that one. Then also Orioles and Yankees over eight or over eight and a half at even money. If you can find that. Thanks again, everybody for listening to another edition of VSIN daily baseball bets. Follow me on Twitter at skating tripods, rate review, subscribe. Greatly appreciate all y'all listening. I will talk to you again tomorrow with another edition of VSIN daily baseball bets. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hannah Storm and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.